so grateful, and we are open, and you are good. Take this stuff and provide vision and hope and a greater perspective. Amen. How y'all doing today? How are the rest of you doing? Maybe we should have a prayer time. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30. While you're turning, um, the last few times I talked about money and tithing and sowing and reaping and true riches. And if you're still trying to work through your relationship with money and mammon, um, you might want to go back and hear those again. Also, as always, I'm available for any kind of questions you've got after the service. I'll be around here and you can come up talk and I'll try to help a little bit. First Samuel chapter 30. Verses 23 and 24, David replied, No, my brothers, you must not do that with what the Lord has given us. He has protected us and handed over to us the forces that came against us. Who will listen to what you say? The share of the man who stayed with the supplies is to be the same as that of him who went down to battle. All will share alike. Now, you might be wondering, what does this verse have to do with any of the subjects we've been talking about. Well, if you'll hang in for just a minute, I think I'll, I'll do my best to make it clear. Luke sixteen eleven, you might remember, says, if you've not been trustworthy with handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If you don't remember anything else about today, remember this one. True riches are given to everyone who has been trustworthy. I'm sorry. True riches are given to everyone who has been faithful to hear Respond, persevere, and minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. True riches are given to everyone who has been faithful to hear, respond, persevere, and minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, true riches is not about money. Money is the access to getting true riches. It's kind of like the kindergarten of growing in the kingdom is dealing with wealth and material possessions and dealing with mammon and the spirit of this world that says money is everything. Today, I'm going to share with you a story about true riches. I've been entirely blessed in my life. I come from a family of Christians who understand that giving to God brings back and opens up true riches. But I'm going to share a bit of my story. Acts, this is a fair part of your story too. To let you know, anybody can have access to this thing. Those of you who know my testimony, I don't want to be in front of people, never wanted to be in front of people. I had no desire to travel. I just wanted to be a good Christian. Go to work, go to Sunday school, you know, all that kind of stuff. But that was the sum total of what I wanted. However, I also wanted everything God had for me. And this is a part of my story, how God blessed me and the community that I walk with about true riches. And then I'm going to tie it all back to the verse I said originally. True riches are given to everyone who is faithful to hear, respond, persevere, and minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. I have always tithed and given offerings. It's part of my heritage. When I was little, 
I made a dollar from cutting the lawn. My parents said, here, 10% goes into the church. Now you give an offering, you decide how much. 10% goes into your bank account to save, and you can spend the rest. And that's what I grew up with. Then when I found out by reading the Bible, this is a very God thing. And I've had that for multiple generations, and I'm entirely grateful. But my story about stepping into true riches begins about 24 years ago. It doesn't begin, but I'm going to pick it up about 24 years ago. I have notes for all this, but I'm going to try really hard to share my heart as well as just going through the story. About, about 24 years ago, Mary and I were part of a ministry team. Renew had ju- Renewal had just started in Toronto. Uh, what was it called back then? Catch the Fire? Is that was it? Toronto Airport Christian Church or whatever it was. JCF. We came up with, with my pastor, our pastor, uh, Cheon, as part of a ministry team. While we were there, Che connected us with a group of university students who were up here because he knew the pastor of, of this university ministry. And so we connected with them. One of the greatest things of my life, but it, at the time it was just a bunch of people we were praying for because we were doing renewal. We had renewal meetings. We prayed for hundreds of people a week at these meetings. This group was different, and it was really, really fun. And I'm privileged and honored to say that one of them is here today that I've been walking with for 24 years. And, Sujin, you are such a blessing to our lives. So awesome to get to share this whole journey with you. Well, we, we prayed with them, and another person who was Sujin's friend, her name is Sunny. She came to school in Southern California, and because of the connection we had, and one of the things I want you to get is the way that God can connect to open doors. So because of this connection we had in Toronto, and, and we actually came up another time and, and connected with her, Sunny came down, went to school, came to our cell group. Well, at our cell group, especially then, there were people coming through town all the time. So if you came to town and they said, oh, you know, come to our cell group. And so they'd get a prophetic word. So Sunny was at our cell group. Her roommate had a good friend who was coming through town. Sunny brought this friend of her roommate to our cell group. She got a prophetic word, recorded it, and, you know, God just blessed her a lot. She continued on to where she was ministering in Honolulu at the YWAM base, and she was part of the School of Missions and Evangelism. She took the recording that came from our cell group and went to back to Honolulu, played it for Kevin and Kim Darrow, who were leading their uh, School of Missions and Evangelism. Kevin and Kim were very excited about Holy Spirit. They said, we need to have this. Can we get them to come and teach at our school? So they called up and asked us. We have never at this point traveled anywhere as primary speakers. They call up and say, would you come to Honolulu to do a week's worth of ministry? You know, somebody has to go to Honolulu and minister, so why not me, right? Why not? My first exposure to travel ministry was we had Thanksgiving on the beach at Waikiki. That'll work. God's always been good to me. I don't want to travel. I didn't like traveling. I didn't even have a passport until I was 35. So 
my first experience is usually pretty good because he's like pushing me a little bit. So we went to YWAM to minister, and we ended up between 1996 and 2002, we were there 12 times getting to do ministry, and God did some awesome stuff there. We ended up doing some of the DTSs in entire schools where we, pray, you know, we were able to pray and speak, and it was just really, really amazing. We became pastors of Acts Fellowship in November of 1999. So we're coming up on our 20-year anniversary. It's just been the best. I enjoyed being an accountant. I enjoyed all the stuff that went along with that. But this has been the best. One of the values that Acts Fellowship has had the entire time, I think, it, I think the entire time it's been in existence, but certainly the last 20 years, is that Acts Fellowship gives 25% of the tithes and offerings we take in into missions. It goes straight there because tithes and offerings deal with money. And if we're faithful with money, he'll give us true riches. And we're after true riches, right? What are the rest of you after? I'll try one more time because we're after true riches, right? It comes back to money. That's the access way. We can either serve mammon or we can serve God. And that's why that really matters. So in 2000, we invited Kevin and Kim to speak because we had money, but we didn't have a lot of connection with different ministers. So they came up to speak at our camp. And Kevin, ever since 1996, had been encouraging me to say, hey, you got to go with me to, to India. India is the most fabulous place on the planet. you got to go there, and it's amazing. Well, he and Kim were part of the original YWAM team that went to India to establish YWAM back in, back in the 1980s. So they have a really huge love for India, and nothing phases them. It doesn't matter what they see, what it smells like, what it tastes like, they'll do anything. And I knew that, so I wasn't really excited about this whole go to India thing. And he asked over and over, you gotta, when are you coming? we got to go and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, yeah, okay, not, not, not right now. Not for me. Three months after Kevin and Kim were up here at our family camp, he was diagnosed with four-stage melanoma cancer and given three months to live. And that kind of changes things around. And we were able to go pray with him and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and he came from Hawaii back to Southern California. And instead of dying, Kevin didn't die. He was released about two and a half years later in early 2003 to travel. Well, wow, yeah, but one of the first things he did when he was starting to travel was he called me up and said, okay, we're going to, Hawaii, going to India. Please don't hear me wrong, but I really thought I was out of going to India. I wanted Kevin to live, but I really didn't want to go to India. But because I'd said yes, and so I talked to Mary, and she goes, you got to go to India. I mean, the guy was supposed to die, and he's back, and he's picking up his life where you said you would go with him. So I talked to the leadership team. They go, are you nuts? You have to go to India. Okay, Kevin, I'm going to India. Just an aside that's going to come back later. Also in 2003, I got a call from my friend 
that I'd known in Southern California who'd gone to Hong Kong to start a church. And he said, hey, we want to get Holy Spirit ministry and prophetic started. Why don't you come and speak at Solomon's Porch? There's about 40 people there. It was a second-gen Korean church. And he said, why don't you come over and get it started? Same year. Just a coincidence, I guess. The India trip was like a reunion for Kevin because he knew everybody because they established everything there. And so they were, he was meeting with all these people. And while he was doing all of that, um, I prophesied to wherever, whoever was sitting around and being there. So I was sitting in a park in Pune, India. And I am told, because I don't remember this, because I probably prophesied to about six, five or 600 people on that trip. Um, I was told that I prophesied to a young man who'd been talking to God about a dream that God had given him. It was impossible for him. But God was going to open a door for him. And apparently, I included, he's going to open it by the end of this year. This impossible dream. Hang on to that for a little bit later. Now, because of Kevin... I also met Suman and found out the whole ministry of Helping Hands, which we came away with. And I came back, and one of the two times in my history as pastor, I told the leadership team, we have to do this. And we did. And so that's how we got connected with Helping Hands that all of you have gotten to know now and that fabulous ministry that they're doing in the slums of Pune. In 2008... We returned for our third trip to India because once we started supporting Helping Hands, we went back. YWAM wanted us to do all this kind of stuff, and so we went back. Now, remember, my point here is, of this entire story, is we're after true riches. And true riches involves the perseverance and ministry in Holy Spirit. So we went back five years later for our third trip. Mary and I that time spoke at the University for the Nations, which is where in India, which is where all of India comes for training in how to do YWAM ministry. All the different classes, schools they have, they come there, and we were the speakers. So one day at lunch, we met a woman. I'm going to mess this name up. Bhativa Jodo. Am I close? No. I'm going to call her Bativa because I'm pretty close with that one. So we met this woman who was a doctor working there. She was working with YWAM to try to get materials for discipleship training school classes in the Marathi language because there weren't any. It was all, you know, it came from Honolulu. And she shared that she had just completed translating, Is That Really You, God?, into Marathi. Now, that book is Lauren Cunningham, the founder of YWAM. That's his testimony of hearing God and how it developed all of the things that happened in YWAM. Came out of him hearing God's voice. And that's the book she decided to translate. Where am I? So, Dr. Batavia shared that they wanted to get the book printed, but they didn't have the funds to do it, which is, you know, pretty typical for a lot of activities like that. Well, we got talking over lunch, and, and you know, I, I think Mary asked, well, how much is it going to cost to do this thing? And so she said some huge number, in, you know, of rupees, because everything is huge in there. 
And I'm sitting there because I'm still an accountant. And I go, okay, the conversion rate. And I worked out it's about probably about $2,000 that they need to print 2,000, no, 1,200 books. I'm going, we can do that. So we happened to have on that team, the two people we brought with us were also on our leadership team. So we had a impromptu leadership team and voted to spend $2,000 to get these books printed. As a result of that meeting, Axe Fellowship was able to make possible by the end of 2008 that 800 DTS leaders in the state of Maharashtra finally had a book in their original language. The conservative estimate they gave me that in 2008, 20,000 Marathi-speaking YWAM students for the first time ever experienced YWAM material and curriculum in their own language. And it just happened to be a book about hearing God's voice. And here it is. This is it. I can't tell you anything about it other than the dedication in this book that says to Axe Fellowship, thank you for blessing India. Because that's all writing I don't understand. So I kept one of those. I actually have two. This one is to Axe Fellowship. I got one that was given to me. That's true riches. When you can say, God, I will follow you places, and he will open up a door that says 20,000 future evangelists in the state of Marathi, or Maharashtra, India, now have a book about hearing God's voice in their own language. How cool is that? How much money are you willing to try to keep that might prevent something like that? I never wanted to do this stuff, but I did want true riches. Cool? Story doesn't end there. On some of our trips, because of Kevin's connection to all of the, like the founding people in YWAM, we met a lot of the leaders were there. One couple was named Nanesh and Joycey. Nanesh was from um, the Wadar caste or people group. They're called the Stonebreakers. They're called the Stonebreakers, and this is him telling me the story. There may be, you can look it up, you can look them up on, on the internet and you can find out some about them, but he says basically the Stonebreakers are a group of people, a people group, distinct among themselves with their own language, that really don't have a location because they travel to wherever the work is. They break stone for building or roads or whatever, and that's what they do. And he's from that people group. They're really difficult to evangelize because they have no set location. The one way that they all connect is a single radio station in the Wadari language. That's how they stay connected as they travel around West and Southern India. So after dinner, we had dinner at their house, and Jared was with me on that trip. Some of you remember Jared. After dinner, Nanesh comes out, and he shows me the CD. And he says... Um, well, here's the thing I've been working on because 
There is no worship music in the Wadari language. There's none written. And so he said, I wrote all, some of these songs. I translated them all. I recorded them, but nobody's buying them, and we can't get it on the radio. Now, the reason they couldn't get it on this radio station is they put on whatever the people ask for. Well, things like, you know, pop or current music, he mentioned Madonna is really big on that channel. Who knew Madonna would be translated into the Wadari language? But they would play whatever the people asked for. They didn't ask for this CD because it was too expensive for the people to buy. So I'm sitting there, and this seems to be my job in India. Is I go, well, how much does it cost to get the? Co- how much would it be to get the cost down below Madonna? We can do better than her, right? We got a better message. At least I think we do, right? So he says this big number, and and so I'm calculating backwards and stuff. And so after we say say goodbye to them and everything, I'm in the auto rickshaw going back to the hotel with Jared. And he said, I said, well, what do you think? And he goes, if the church isn't going to pay for this, I'm going to pay for this. And I said, there is no conceivable way you are going to get all of the blessing that comes with what's going to happen with this thing. If the church doesn't say it, I'll split it with you, but you aren't getting it all your own. I ask you on this trip. Well, we got back to church. And of course, Acts says, well, yeah, we're absolutely paying for this thing for sure. So Acts Fellowship reduced the cost of producing 2,000 CDs. So the sale price of the first Christian CD in the Wadari language was slightly lower than any of the secular music that the Wadar people could get. The CD sold out in a couple of months. Then the one Wadari radio station started playing the CD. Axe Fellowship was able to provide financing so that for the very first time, virtually the entire people group of the the Wadari people group could hear Christian music in their own language. Four million of them. And this is what got it started. They made enough money on this thing that he made another entire CD, which he sold out in about three months, and is also playing on the Wadari Radio Nation. And they're hearing that. Come on, God. That's awesome. True riches. How much money do you need to make before it tops that? Four million people got to hear about how awesome Jesus is. You can smile. It's okay. That is true riches on a scale I don't even know how to measure. And I would not trade what this did, what this did, for any amount of money. I don't get um, stock options now like I did when I was in corporate accounting. But my stock options are waiting for me in heaven because that's where true riches get paid out. But the cool thing is we get to experience that live. Remember the guy at the park? This is where it's hard to believe the way God can open up true riches. 
Jared and I then went to the University of the Nations. It was in another city in Lano- it was called Lanavla on the same trip. We're sitting there at lunch one time, and the director of the University of the Nations comes up, sits down at the table, says, Hi, Rob. You probably don't remember me. And it's like, yeah, right. Do you know how many people I prayed for in the last two weeks? I said, I'm, I'm really sorry. I don't. Um, t- t- tell, tell me what's going on. He said, you came to India five years ago, and you ministered in a park in Pune, and you gave me a prophetic word that said God knew the desire of my heart and the vision that I had, that it was impossible for me to even see it, and God was going to do it for me and open the door to do it by the end of the year. Same guy. Different city, different context, same guy. Just a coincidence, right? So he said, the desire of my heart needed $200,000 U.S., which is a little over 14 million rupee. He's a guy in YWAM. You know, one of the acronyms for YWAM is Youth with a Mission. That's the official one. One of the acronyms for YWAM is Youth Without Any Money. Because part of their thing is you raise your own money, you trust God for it, you talk to people, and some people just do it because, you know, it's something that's just something they want to do. They tend to not have any money. And his dream was for 14 million rupee. He said he'd basically given up hope with that. He got the prophetic word. He went and talked to the director of YWAM in India. And Liz Cochran, who is a woman of substance, said... You got nothing else going on. Why not believe God? She said, okay, God, I'll keep believing until the end of the year because you said the end of the year. In late November, some guys sent him an email from somewhere in the United States. They began talking. So he's sharing this story with me. He says, I want you to come up. I can make it. I want you to get up and come with me. So we're walking, telling me all about this stuff. We get to this building, opens the door, says, this is my dream. And I walked in to a brand new recording studio. All the stuff. He says, this was my dream. That thing you prophesied, I hung onto that prophetic word in God's goodness, and he said, I believed God would do this. And he gave me 14 million rupee. And we finished this about six or seven months ago. So I said, Tell me a little bit about your projects and all that sort of stuff. So he's sharing different things that they're working on. He said, But I'm really proud that we recently completed our first project and produced a CD, this one. You can't make this stuff up. Would would you just honor me and give me a second to get it back together? Could you just give God a huge shout of thanks and a round of applause?
Oh, by the way, remember in 2003, I went, went to this little church of about 40 people in Hong Kong. That church is now a network of about four or five churches. The Hong Kong church has about 1,000 members. They average seven or 800 with three services. That's the first time I've ever done three services back to back to back. I don't know how people do that. I'm privileged in mid to late October to go back for my seventh visit to this church and the network. I'm going to go to one of their other churches too. How much are true riches worth to you? Is it worth wrestling with your checkbook? Is it worth saying, what is it going to take, God, so I'm not hooked into the world system? Look, if God can use me, he can use anybody. I never wanted any of this stuff. But I did want God's true riches. I just didn't know it came in this package. I'm just a guy trying to do what God wants to do. I love to see God come. I do not want to get on airplanes. I do not want to travel to weird places where it's dirty and I don't get the food and all that kind of stuff. But no amount of money could change what this means to me in terms of true riches. You write a check for a million, I give this up, ain't going to happen. Now, I want to end with this. Back to 1 Samuel. You remember we read that one? Let me set it up for you. David's army had been rapidly advancing to overtake the enemy who had stolen away their wealth and their families. Some of the men were too exhausted to keep up, so they stayed with all of the baggage and accoutrements that the army needs. The rest of the army went on. They went to battle. They wiped the enemy out. They recovered every single one of their family, got all of their their, um, possessions back, and a massive amount of plunder. When they got back, some of the men who went out to actually fight in the battle said, no, the only people who get the plunder are the people that went out and fought. In 1 Samuel 30, verse 23, David responds to that thing that says, the ones who went out into the battle are the ones who, got, who get to have the plunder. David replied to that, no, my brothers, you must not do that which the Lord has given us. He has protected us and handed over to us forces that came against us. Who will listen to what you say? The share of the man who stayed with the supplies is to be the same as that of him who went down to the battle. All will share alike. The issue in being qualified as a community is faithfulness. It's not about location. I'm coming back in a minute. Acts, every person that gave of their tithes and offerings, every person who prayed, every person who took care of the children, every person who did hospitality ministry, every time we went on any trip, we all share the same reward in heaven. My true riches, because I went there, 
are your true riches. Grace, are you happy about that? That's yours too. And Boris, and Heechun, all of you. Because we all share in the same true riches. Are you with me? Every person at the well in Bayview who was faithful to do ministry here, every Sunday you were on the worship team, you got the, the, the snack ministry ready, you took care of the kids, you prayed, you went to the meetings when Hanny was traveling all over the place and, and the team that went with him. Everything they accomplished in terms of unifying Canada, bringing back, you know, the disparate parts of us that include the people from the north, all the stuff that happened, the reconciliation that's been done between the Armenian pastors and the Turkish pastors and all the stuff that he did and the team that went with him. You get to share if you've been faithful to what God has called you to do, because true riches comes to those who are faithful to do what God has anointed them to do, whether it's to stay here in the back with the baggage or be out on the front lines with the enemy. Everybody gets the same. The only qualification is, are you doing what God's called you to do under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit? The reward due for the things accomplished in prayer and reconciliation in the last two years when Hanny and different people have traveled to Hong Kong or Armenia or Ottawa or Egypt is given to every member of City River that is faithfully doing in the power of the Holy Spirit what God has called us to do. I didn't go to any of those places. I get the same reward because I'm doing what God said for me to do here. He said, stay home because your wife can't let you go at this point. She's not physically able. Okay, cool, because it doesn't matter. I can be with him. I can be with her. She's cuter. But the same true riches accrue to both of us. And the same true riches accrue to every one of you who are doing the stuff God called you to do. You're counting the offering every week. If that's what God called you to do, you're doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit and responding to Holy Spirit. You get the same reward. See, that's the awesome thing about community. People who church hop don't get this. People who say, I'll come once in a while. I'll give God my two bucks, my five bucks. Yeah, I could probably be downstairs helping out with the kids, but, you know, I, I don't really want to do that right now. It's not what I'm interested in. Okay, we don't get it. But the ones who are doing whatever God has called you to do, and you're doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit, and you're persevering and growing in whatever gift God has given you, you get the same reward. True riches starts with our attitude and faithfulness with money, tithes, sowing, and reaping. Our corporate faithfulness by the power of Holy Spirit is to do whatever God calls us to do and positions us to receive more and greater true riches. You want more? Do with everything in your heart whatever God has called you to do. And if he opens a door, even if it's to India and you don't want to go, you get on the plane and you go because God has true riches for every one of us 
that we have not yet experienced. I'm blessed, and I thank God, because I've banked stuff in heaven now. I want more. There is like a Holy Spirit greed for true riches that it's like, I want more. Hello? Who wants more? No, because see, some people won't raise their hands no matter what. If you won't raise your hands here, by the way, you're not going to talk to somebody on the street. It, it just isn't going to happen. You, you got to do it here. If you can't do it in front of a place that's safe, it's, it's comfortable, people understand what we're doing, we won't do it in front of other people. We won't sit on a park bench with people walking all around looking at us while we're ministering to somebody. Christina, you went to Hong Kong one time. Jason, your reward is the same as your wife's because you did what you were called to do even though you didn't go. Do you understand the dynamic of God and how much he is interested in us stepping into all that we have for us because his desire is for true riches? Father, I thank you that you give true riches to everybody who's faithful to hear, respond, persevere, and minister in the power of Holy Spirit. And I ask that in Jesus' name, there would be a new courage and a new hunger to say, I'm not satisfied with doing church on Sunday. I want true riches. And Father, that we would be willing to obey wherever it takes, that we would have courage to start to say, I am tithing to, as of now. Because that's the gateway into true riches, being faithful with someone else's so that he'll give me something of my own. And God, that you'll begin to expand the vision and the possibilities that there are men and women here that are probably way more willing to do things than I'm willing to do things. And yet you use me, you're going to use this community. It's been said this community will have a global reach, and that is not just Hanny. That is all of us in different ways because God is bringing the world to Toronto and we get the globe when we go to work or go to the grocery store. And we all get to have the possibility of God's true riches. May God bless you and inspire you and encourage you to say, I want more. Amen. Have a spirit-filled week.